time for Mac Geek Cabin. Listener Donna brings us our quick tip of the week. She says, uh, although I don't always like Apple's changes, Maps has sure improved. She says, I now use Maps often, uh, but it has some new features. And one of the best ones is the ability to set favorites. Because now I can just have the places that I want to go all the time. In addition to that, I can use Maps to look up a phone number, check business hours, or find a company website. More tips like this, plus your questions answered today on Mac Geek Gab 980 for Monday, May 8th, 2023. And welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where uh, you send in quick tips like that. We share quick tips like that. You also send in cool stuff found, which we also share. You also send in questions, which we try to answer because the goal is that each and every one of us learns at least five new things every single episode. Sponsors for this episode include Notion at Notion.com slash MacGeekGab, where you can try Notion AI for free. Collide.com slash MGG, where you can try Collide today. Zero Trust Tailor Made for Okta. And also, ZocDoc.com slash MGG, where you can sign up for free, download the app today, find a doctor, and instantly book an appointment. We'll talk more in depth about each and every one of those. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. And here at Lee, New Hampshire, is Pilot Pete. And a note of personal privilege, folks. So we're you're not you're hearing this at the regular time, but we're recording a day early, and we're doing that. Uh, thank you, Dave and John, both for agreeing to record a day early, because tomorrow is my colonoscopy day. Folks, if you're at the age where you need a colonoscopy, go get one. It will save your life. My mother is a 25-year survivor of colon mm. cancer. She's 97. She caught it early on a colonoscopy. So mm. it's curable, but it's awful deadly if you don't get it done. So thank you for that opportunity for my point of personal privilege, Dave. Yeah. Hopefully it saved somebody's life. Yeah. I, I did not I did not realize that about your mom. That's that's actually yeah. a great story. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um Guys, I, I, I realized something this week. I want more email. <laughs> uh, You're crazy, Dave. <laughs> well, be that as it may. Well, what type of email do you want more of? So Dave? that's a really good question. I went and saw Amanda Palmer uh, last weekend with, with Lisa. And Amanda Palmer has it really like her career has become a masterclass on the entire like direct to fans approach. Right. She, she does not have a record label near as I can. I don't think I'm pretty sure she doesn't. Uh, she has, she runs her entire business through Patreon. Right. And so she understands like we do here uh, very much. So the value of having a direct relationship with her audience members and, and like, like we've been doing this, how long have we had the, I mean, we've been doing the show for 18 years. So we've, we know we've known this for 18 years, but she said something very interesting as she was about to go to set break. Uh, she played, you know, a two set show. And she said, uh, 
you know, a little bit of housekeeping. There's going to be one more song. Then we'll do a set break. Uh, it'll last about 25 minutes, which I thought was really nice to know, like what the schedule of the evening was supposed to be. So you knew when to sort of mosey back to your seats or whatever. Very, very tiny, uncomfortable seats because it was in a theater in Boston. And that's how those are. They were built for children to sit in. Uh, back in the 1700s or back, something. Back in the all. 1700s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I digress. Uh, and And she said, the other thing is, while you're on the break, you can do this online. You can go to my website or you can do it on paper in the lobby. Please sign up for my webs for my mailing list. She says, I promise we don't, you know, I don't spam you, but given, and she's like, it's great. Also, please sign up and follow me on all the socials. That's helpful too. But given the way all the algorithms work, I can't guarantee you that you will find what you want to find from me just because you're following me on socials. She's like, you know, the next time she's going to tour with the Dresden dolls later this year. So she, she sort of used that as the example. And she said, you know, if you want to find out when the Dresden dolls are going to tour, which is something many people have been waiting for a long time to see, uh, you're, you're, you might not get that if you're just following me on Facebook, because the algorithm might not decide to show it to you, but my mailing list will decide to show up in your inbox. If you let it show up in your inbox and, and she really made a compelling case for wanting more email. And it's, in, it, you know, timing in life is interesting. There's, there, there are things that only appear like coincidences. I have for the last probably four to six weeks been very attentive to all of my mail and, and curating it a little bit more, but just paying attention to the newsletters that come in that I had basically uh, set up a system to all but ignore right for for years and because i use SaneBox, and SaneBox does a great job of compartmentalizing my newsletters i never was looking in the folder that it was putting them in and i started doing that and I, it, it's been fantastic like there are things in my life that i have found out about solely because i bothered to look at the email that came in and so i yes to your point john I, I only want the email that I want, uh, <laughs> but I, I do want that email. Like it, it, I find it really valuable. And it was interesting as she started saying, please sign up for our mailing list for my mailing list. Cause it's just her. Uh, I was like, okay, you know, here's the pitch. And I, I've given that pitch. I give it all the time on this show. And I have always given the pitch from what I perceive to be a position of, of I'll say selfishness, right? Like I, I want you to subscribe to the Mac geek app mailing list because I want to be able to, to reach you when we put out new episodes and all that good stuff. And when we're having hangouts and like those sorts of things, it never dawned on me that you all probably also want to be on the mailing list because you probably won't see everything that we put out even though we don't put out very much, we don't spam you, you know, it's, it's once sometimes twice a week, but it's probably five or six things a month that we send. So it's, you know, low bandwidth, but, uh, but it was just interesting. And, and I have been very, um, very intentional lately about signing up for mailing lists of like bands that I like to see and different things so that I find out when it's happening. Cause I, if you're like me, Every now and then something will appear on socials, something that you like to follow. And it's like, I had no idea that was happening there tomorrow or whatever. And it's like, well, I could have had an idea. Uh, even though I follow that band on social media, if I signed up for their mailing list, I would have known 
you know, weeks ago that that was happening and I might've been able to schedule my life so that I could actually go see him. But you know, so I share this because it's true. I do want more email and I am signing up for more email. And while we're here, go to MacGeekab.com, sign up for our mailing list. You get the show notes with all the links and everything in it, uh, right? As soon as the episodes are pushed out and then, yeah, we'll announce things like our hangouts and that sort of stuff there too. We don't sell our mailing list. You've I, never sold your mailing list yet. We haven't sold it yet. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, um, here's you something Here's something interesting, Pete. I can say accurately that I have never sold a mailing list because although we had a mailing list with the Mac Observer, it was never put into the asset list of the sale. This was an oversight. This was not oh. some like I would have sold it with the site because like yeah. it makes sense to sell that with, with sure. the site. You know, in fact, if I were to leverage that mailing list today, it would probably be irresponsible of me because those people signed up to hear from the Mac Observer, not yeah. from Dave Hamilton with whatever venture he's on to next, you know, um, but it did not wind up getting transferred and sold. So interesting uh, yeah oh, yeah, yeah. So you never have so i never have i know even when i probably was supposed to it's just like i said it was it, it, i didn't think about it until this very moment it was like right. oh you know what that's huh yeah so sorry to worry, Dave, the new horners are see you in court but yeah yeah well i mean you can you can look at the asset list in the in the there purchase and sale agreement and it's not yeah, there, there you, you know, know. so yeah. yeah yeah interesting yeah. I really don't think I did. Like, I, I don't even think they have access to it. Anyway, we should do a show, but uh, now I'm yeah, now I'm go. distracted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I sort of feel bad. I, I probably should have. But anyway, you know. Yeah. yeah. Huh. All right. So, yeah, sign up for more email, but only the email you want. And then it, it really doesn't take very long. I go through my my like newsy newsletters email and Sanebox is is like I couldn't live without yeah. it. Um, but I go through that trick every other day and I, I look at it and I, a quick perusal, once they're all compartmentalized together, it's the triaging through them is really easy. But if I see something, it's like, Oh, I keep getting email from that. I don't care about it. Then I'll bother to take a minute and unsubscribe. Um, but, but otherwise, yeah. So. So the question becomes is unsubscribe still a, Hey, you've hit a live email address or does it actually work? You know, some of these that just appeared in my email out of the blue, I've taken to going to my server and doing a global block on that domain. Yeah. I, I mean, like there are some things that I definitely signed up for that I no longer want. Right. right. You know, or, or I thought I wanted and now I see what they're sending me and it's like, ah, I don't want what you're sending me. Fair so, enough. Or you sign up to get the 10% coupon. And sure. Then now I don't want it. Anymore. And now I don't want yeah. that anymore. Right. So there's those. And then there are spam and some of the things that we would classify as spam are actually legitimate mailing lists that just, got my name via illegitimate means meaning unsubscribe actually does unsubscribe right but otherwise yeah they just put them in spam or or sanebox has sane black hole meaning i won't even see it in my spam folder it just nice. does away with it yeah i mean technically uh legally i think it's called the can spam act and wow. that people are supposed to remove you if you ask them but not all of them right how's that working out for you john yeah 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 this is this is more about the, the <laughs> no, laws some actually do physics. honor the the <laughs> unsubscribe yes. request because i mean just as a business person even if you can send out a billion emails to everybody on the planet um 
most people don't want to, you know, including physical mailing, most people don't want to send mail to people that don't want it. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of resources. Yeah, but email's cheap. Yes. Yeah, agreed. But it, it's in, not. In work, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, although there is like uh, the reputable mailing list management companies like, you know, like a MailChimp or a mail router, you know, those sorts of the constant contact, those those sorts of things. They will they will boot you as a customer if your spam percentage is too high. So like th- those places and, and it's because they want to have the ability to say we can hit the inbox reliably. Right. And if if their servers send too much spam, then they won't be able to hit the inbox reliably anymore. And that's bad for business. So they will boot you. So, it, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. You got something for us, Pete? Quick tip, maybe? Oh, okay. You want me to Sorry. share? I have another one. Like, yeah, I can. Yeah, well, let's see. Uh, where we? Oh, the Yuffie doorbell. No, that's cool no, stuff found. No, you were telling us in pre-show, Pete, that was okay. about yeah, something so that you did with ChatGPT. So, yeah, yeah ChatGPT, it's a AI, artificial intelligence. Um, I've taken to putting my writing in there and saying, fix the grammar. And the first time I did it, I had to go through it very slowly. What? what okay. And then I went. Ah, I got an idea. I said, fix the grammar in this. And at the end, give me a list of everything you changed. And I got like six or seven items right there. You know, it was like. Brilliant. Brilliant. I like this is the stuff. This is why I like talking about how we use AI, because I've had it fix my grammar. I've never thought to take it the next step farther and say, tell me what you changed. In fact, like we can zoom, we can, and, and and it's a good idea to zoom out on this. It's not just about grammar. If you're having chat GPT do any sort of work on, on your stuff, like I'll, I'll say, take this article, you know, take this thing that I wrote and uh, make it sound punchier or something like whatever. Yeah. But I've never once thought to say, that sounds great. Tell me what you changed. It's brilliant. Right. So now you aren't having to go through it with a fine tooth yeah. comb and go, oh no, that because I've one or two times I've got uh, that's not how I want to say it. I, right. I put it that way for a reason, and you know, so no, it, it's it. I, when, as soon as you said that pre-show, I'm like, oh, that's got to be a quick tip, and I yeah. almost wanted it to be the opening quick tip, but I wanted to talk about it, <laughs> so it can't right. be right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we had a big AI discussion pre-show, obviously, and and uh, th- but that was the one that. Like you say, I mean, for coding, hey, this code is not working. Yeah. Fix it. What, so what did tell you me what you fixed. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, and it, and it, then I guess while I'm at it, do you, I'll, I'll share what I did with the with the code. Sure. Yeah. yeah what did so, you do? Yeah, yeah. So I have my website, and I want people to subscribe to my show. But what I wanted it to do was to figure out whether someone was looking at my website with an iPhone or with an Android phone. And then to open the appropriate podcatching app on that device and take them to the subscribe page. So I went, I know JavaScript like I know uh, how to how to build a lunar capsule. I just don't. <laughs> so I said, "Hey, Chat GPT, give me the JavaScript code to make this work." And it gave it to me, and it worked like a champ. So I was able to put it and test it. You know, there's nothing worse than going to a doctor's appointment expecting to be the center of attention, and then your doctor seems like they have better things to do 
and better places to be. Instead of listening to you intently, asking you how you feel and helping you along, the doctor's checking the clock. On our sponsor, ZocDoc, you'll find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. This means no more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor that you haven't yet met. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Go to ZocDoc.com slash M-G-G and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash M-G-G, ZocDoc.com slash M-G-G, and our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Like many of you out there, we've found that our sponsor Notion is great to use every day for like notes and docs and project management. And today, I'm excited to tell you about the incredible newest addition to Notion's suite of tools, Notion AI. Yup, that's right. Artificial intelligence that works right in your Notion workspace. Notion AI helps you work faster, write better, and think bigger doing tasks that normally take you hours in just seconds. And this is because you can leverage the power of AI right inside Notion across all your notes and docs without the need to jump between your work and a web browser or some separate AI-powered tool. Notion AI is designed to help you with your work right in the place where you're doing your work. And that's what makes it great. You just tell Notion AI what to do. The more details, the better, as we've discussed here on the show, right? And you can then have it write a blog post, make an outline, brainstorm ideas, summarize a whole bunch of docs, whatever you want. And for a limited time, try Notion AI for free when you go to Notion.com slash MacGeekGab. That's all lowercase letters, Notion.com slash MacGeekGab to try out the incredible power of Notion AI today. And when you use our link, you support the show. We like that. That's good for you, too. This is a limited time offer, though. Try Notion AI for free right now at Notion.com slash MacGeekGab. And our thanks to Notion for sponsoring today's episode. So uh, we got more quick tips to do here. And this morning, just this morning, uh, I saw a tweet from Ricky Mondello, who is someone that most of you know, if you know him at all, uh, them at all. My apologies, Ricky. Uh as the one of the more public facing Safari security password engineers at Apple. Uh, we know Ricky because Ricky was a Mac Geekab listener before uh, they ever started at Apple. So there's there's been a, a long history of this and it's great. Ricky posted this morning that you can now and, and I, I should share that Ricky's the one whose team created the whole thing where you get your two-factor authentication code automatically put right like there when you need to, like comes in via SMS and you can just like click it and put it in on your phone or your Mac. Like that feature is, is killer, by the way. We all love that. Thank you, Ricky and team. Um, Ricky posted this morning that as of today, you can now, so as of last week, for those of you who are listening to the recorded version of the show, you can now set up a pass key for your Google account, which means we are one step closer to passwords going away, which is very cool. And right now, 
uh, it doesn't invalidate your password. So it's 100 percent safe to set up. Uh, I'll put a link to Ricky's tweet about this in the show notes at MacGeekUp.com or MGG.FM slash 980. But uh, but just wanted to make sure to share that. So fun stuff, don't you think? Nice. I'm I'm stoked about where pass keys will bring us. I mean, it'll, it'll take a while to get there, but Google adding it like that's a big deal. That's like that's a lot of people. Um, quick, quick, quick pass key one on one review. Yep, pass keys are the the what happens with a pass key is you go to the, a website like Google. And you tell it, okay, I want to set up a pass key instead of a password. Although now at this point in time, it's in, no, it's in parallel to having a password. So one's not going to replace the other. And that's as a transition thing, right? Eventually we just won't have passwords and we will log in with our pass keys. What happens is you say, yep, I am me. You prove that you're you Uh, in, in this case, you'd prove your you by authenticating with your password and your 2FA code to Google, right? So, okay, great. You're now logged in. Google trusts that you are you. You say, I want to set up a passkey. Your computer and Google now negotiate a uh, key pair where the private key is held by you and the public key is held by Google. John, correct me if I am wrong on this because I'm doing this on the fly, but uh, that way... Google knows that anyone with your private key can log in as you. But right now, only you have your private key. And if someone watches you log in, they still don't have your private key. They don't have your password. Your private key is stored on your device. It's also stored in your iCloud keychain, meaning it's on all of your devices. Now, one could argue there's security limitations there. And there are, there's security holes there. If somebody gets access to your iCloud keychain, well, then of course they have access to your pass keys, but they also have access to your passwords, but no one can guess your pass key. They would need to actually get access to your keychain to get it. There's no, I'm going to hack for X number of years and, you know, maybe guess it. Maybe there is, but it's far, far, far less likely to hack a pass key than it is it sounds like it goes back to once someone has physical access to your device, well, you're host anyway. You're right, but that's, this that's the, but up up until uh, then, not you're... necessarily. No. So I'll okay. share my story. Well, wait, here, slow so. slow down for a second. Okay, um, I, I want to hear your story. I I, I just want to make sure. Did I get the description Perfect. of passkey correct, John? Um. I believe so. Okay, great. The, yes. So okay, behind great. the scenes, it's doing the whole key management thing, but you're not really involved in it, nor should you be. Right, some may right, argue. Right. Right. But there's there the the in terms of the the relative safety between a password and a pass key, the password could could be, uh, you know, st- stolen over your shoulder, brute force hacked, whereas a pass sure. key, somebody would need to get into your device to to steal it. So, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Please now share your story. Um, no. So I tried this. So certain websites will offer you the option of using a passkey. For like, example, like Google Best now. Buy is one of them. Yes, Google is one of them now, too. And that's great. So, for example, Best Buy, if you try to log in, it'll be like, oh, well, do you want to use a email address and password? Or then it says sign in with passkey. And here's the fun part. When you click on that. You then get a window saying, do you want to sign in to Best Buy with your blah, blah, blah. And you can say, 
Well, no, give me other sign-in options. And it'll give you options to use your email address, iPhone, iPad, iPad, or Android device, or security key, which is even better. Well, it's different. Better, better, well, is, better is a relative key, term. A security key requires you to have a physical token, which I do have two of them. So I don't know that a, that's better. It might be more secure. It's more secure. Yes. It, it may not be better for ease of use because what right. if you lose your security key? Right. Well, right. that kind of sucks. So you, you got to think about that, if, uh, how far you want to go with your security. But yeah. pass keys are definitely a step in the right direction. I think, uh, yeah, I think they're the middle ground that between convenience and security that we need. Uh, I think they're, mm -hmm. I think they're great. They, they, they live at the sweet spot on that continuum. Uh, how how do you solve the problem then of I'm over at your house and I don't have my devices with me, but I need to get into my Best Buy account or my Google account to show you something? You can't. Not going to happen. Okay. You, you, well, you if you don't have the key, then you, you're stuck. Yeah, you're, you would need the, some the, access to it. But what what are the chances you would be at my house without your phone? Well, let's say I have my phone, but I want but <laughs> I don't want to show you on my phone. I want to show you on your you know five oh. K. Yeah, you'd have to airplay to my 5K TV or something. Okay. Yeah. But yes, no, this is a valid, like, yes, it, it does. Again, it is the yeah. continuum between security and convenience, yeah. right? You're and, in a hotel business center and you want to log into ExoJet Airlines to get your ticket printed out. Yeah. yeah. But do we still print our tickets? Do yeah. you have to well, internationally somewhere? Or can um, you no, always... actually, no, no, it's all, it's all uh, QR code now okay. for the most part. Yeah. Um, all right. And I, even, I think these are good questions to ask because I like, I, I mean, I realize we're sort of, you know, down, we down our rabbit hole, but, but no, it's, hole, but, it's yeah. like, it, it is like, it is slightly less convenient than a password because it is not sure. something you can remember. It sure. is something you have to have. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I know that, can you, maybe neither of you can answer this, but what about, you know, Steve Gibson did the squirrel, which was an, uh, you know, the, you go to this website and, you it, it presents a QR code. You just scan it with your phone, and you're in. And I don't understand fully how it works. Mm. Maybe you, either of you, say that again. It's called Squirrel. Uh huh. And it's it's basically for secure QR login. And you know you go to you go to South, Southwest Airlines. Yeah. And you, okay. go to, and you want to log in, and it presents you with a QR code. All you do is point your iPhone camera at it, and it logs you in. Huh. Uh, secure, quick, reliable login. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard about this. If oh, I if, if no, I have, yeah. then then yeah. It, this is you know I've I've forgotten it. That's it. It's uh, no, that it, makes it sense. Seems kind of brilliant. Yeah. Um, but it seems it seems like a way around the passkey issue. I'm, and I'm surprised it hasn't gained more adoption, adaptation, more faster. Um, and <laughs> I'm seeing. I don't see. Huh. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and let's see who is that uh somebody in uh oh Alex S. No, Mark Mark Visser in uh Discord is talking about it the the beginning of it and what Google says about pass keys and that sort of thing. And and uh yeah, it's session is based on Squirrel, he thinks, and that's the one Steve Gibson worked on. For interesting. Okay. So uh, oh. something you know what? That's something for us all, I guess, to look at and talk more about in a future show. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, no, this is I, I John, did you know about Squirrel? No. Interesting. Yeah. I have squirrels, but well, yes. That's right. <laughs> Notice he he made that plural. <laughs> yes, yeah, so core quick will have a login. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? 
That's I, yeah. It, it's that it seems like a, a different way to do things. I don't know. And geez, it's been ten years ago. Now he first talked about it. He said he was standing in the shower and it hit him like yeah. a, a brick. Like oh, here's a great way to avoid this password issue. I wonder if it'll ever catch on. Like I don't think it will because pass keys. Like if it was going to catch on, it would have had to do that before we started using okay. pass keys. Yeah. I'm just like, it, like yeah. if you've got Apple and Google supporting pass keys, it like the ship now is sailing, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just how it is. It's at least it's at least untied from the pier. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Big time. No. Yeah. And I don't think it's drifting. I think it's sailing. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's people pushing at this. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is that both pass keys and security keys are both backed up by standards. So you probably don't have to worry about, whether it's going to be supported, but whether yeah, fair, the people you deal with decide to support it and not all of them do. Like, for example, I couldn't figure out how to use a pass key on get this, the Apple site. Right. Right. I didn't yeah. get a prompt for using a pass key. It's like, dude, it's your technology. Well, yeah. not your technology, but it's a technology that you should probably that you widely support. Yeah. 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 Fair. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Ben, well, that's it for today's show. <laughs> ben, Ben, in our our Discord uh, chat this week, noted that uh, you can in messages use option up and this is messages on the Mac, option up and option down, and like it used to do in a word you probably haven't heard in a long time, <laughs> Adium, the old like multi chat app. Uh, what it would do in Adium and what it also does in messages. And it does this in Monterey as well as Ventura and probably far back is the beginning of messages Uh, option up and option down will bring up the text that you have typed for previous messages. It is not an edit mode, right? Like uh, Ventura supports editing, you know, in a limited sense on text messages or on iMessages, but this will just let you scroll through all the messages you've had. So where I used to use this in Adium was if I had sent something to someone and I wanted to copy it and then paste it somewhere else or use it, it was way easier to do that on the keyboard and just like scroll up, option, up, up, up. Okay, that's the third message, you know, like the third newest message. I don't have to type it. I don't have to drag with my mouse. I just do, you know, option, up, 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 and then command A, command C, and now it's on my clipboard and I can go do what I want with it. So... Uh, it was interesting. As soon as I read this, I went and tried it and you know, you have that moment where you realize your fingers remember something uh, that they haven't done in a very long time. That was one of those things was like, Oh man, I used to do this all the time. Uh, you know where so. I use that, but no option needed is just the up and down arrow is in terminal. Yes. Yes. Previous commands that you've typed in terminal are all there with the up arrow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Is, okay. Not, so that depending on the shell you're using, yeah. right? Okay. Correct. So I think John. most shells support okay. that. And right. I think the default ZSH shell supports that. So yeah, it's it's command. Um, uh, what do we what do we call it? Um, command history, I guess, is it? There's also tab completion for file names and commands which I believe is also supported in the default shell on Mac OS now. Um, But that's super handy where you're in the terminal and you type something and you start typing the name of a folder and hit tab and it will jump, will finish the thought for you. Very handy. Finder will do that for you too. When you're trying to go to a folder. What? Finder will do that. 
I heard the words you said. I did not know this, though. Yeah, if you go to the Go menu and find her, and you want to go to a specific path. Uh-huh. So go, go to folder. It, you know, like library yeah. slash. You should just start oh, testing L-I and hit tab. What? Dude, I feel like I've already learned my five things. I got to go. student becomes the teacher. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> great. What? Now, what if you want to know which shell you're running? You may ask yourself. And what do you want? Uh oh, pull over, John. That's the ambulance. <laughs> yep. No, I know the sirens, dude. I've lived here for <laughs> a long time. That's the ambulance. For those of you listening in the car, <laughs> this is only a it's test. Not, yeah, Keep going. Right. it's not you. <laughs> yeah, we are not intent. Oh, but I hate those commercials on the I radio where they play a siren. It's like it, you should not be allowed to do that. I'm, right. I'm trying to change my own vocabulary on this, so I, I'm I'm saying this to to help myself. But I'm trying mm-hmm. to eliminate the uh, casual use of the H word from my vocabulary. I dislike things, but it, there are very few things in life that I hate. Okay. So I heard you say it. I, this is a me thing, not a like, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I, I, yeah. I it's just but anyways, if you want to find out what shell you're running, how do you do that? Well, you could run terminal and type in our favorite command PS, which I think stands for process status. Yeah. And oddly enough, on this machine, I'm running bash and not ZSH, but it has instructions on how to switch. So. So you're doing it with PS. That's an interesting, I never would have thought to, uh, to do that. No, the way I find out what default terminal is set for my user account is to use ah. the finger command. So you type finger, just like, you know, like I said before, your fingers will remember finger space, and then your short username, right? Whatever your, your terminal username is for your Mac. Um, and, and, uh, and then it'll tell you lots of things, including, uh, your home directory, your full name, oh, and okay. your shell. When you booted, and then you can also, um, you can also issue the C H S H H. Yes. Okay, so that's C H S H command change shell, um, <sighs> and and then and then you're stuck in the VI editor if you're like me and <laughs> colon Q is something my fingers remember to get out of VI. V- VI is an editor I, I it's obviously way better than Emacs. I know, I know, I know. No, We've said no, we don't talk politics no, on the show. No. <laughs> this is it's the not ar- politics. It's, oh, it's depends on what circles you're in, my friend. Yeah, it was <laughs> like the the Emacs Emacs versus VI was definitely one of the very first flame wars that existed on the internet. And for those of you that think you were f- some of the first uh to participate in flame wars on the internet. If you weren't part of a VI versus Emacs flame war, you weren't first. So the thing is Emacs, I'll admit is the kitchen sink of editors. <laughs> Somebody gave me uh, a, uh, Oh man, what was it? It, it was a, 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 like an acronym, like a derogatory acronym about Emacs. And I cannot remember it off the top of my head. Man. Let's not do that. No, it was it was like, you know, it was like it, it was it was derogatory, but also accurate about Emacs. It was, you know, something about how it has like everything in it. And it's I mean, I even think there's a version of Advent inside Emacs, you know, the old adventure game. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, why don't we put that in there? <laughs> Nobody's going to notice. It's huge anyways. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, hang on. I'm going to find it here because I found the Facebook post because it's, it, where is it? What did she post? I know it's here. Uh, the old joke, Carolyn uh, posted this, was eight megs and continuously swapping was the <laughs> jokes of, yeah. uh, joke about right. Emacs. So there you go. So I asked GPT and it said, it's not appropriate to provide derogatory terms or insults towards any software or product. <laughs> All right. So wait, wait. No, you got to ask it now because there's a way around this sometimes. Oh, yeah. Uh, if it, ask it, thank you. If I didn't, if I wanted to avoid saying something derogatory about Emacs, please give me five examples of things not to say. <laughs> okay. I'll do that. Will you sometimes move on? <laughs> that works? Yeah, exactly. You want to take us to uh, Paul, John, and his quick yeah, tip? Yeah, Paul's got a good little tip here. Um, Info for Jeff from MGG979. I've run into someone calling me with, how do I turn off this app? It's using tons of data. You glance by a tip in MacEgab979. I reset my data state two months ago. Uh, my friend I had to coach that saw tons of data hadn't reset his data in two years. Mm-hmm. He reset it and realized it wasn't so bad month to month. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm pretty sure uh, 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 whoever. I, I'm sure someone could write a shortcut to do that. Well, I don't. I wouldn't. To, I wouldn't like be so month. sure about that. I, like hmm. shortcuts can do the things that shortcuts can do, and then they can't do anything else. So, yeah, I don't know that. That's. I, I wouldn't be sure. It would be worth looking to see, but I don't know that that is scriptable. Um, yeah, but. Um, the person who wrote in last week who we talked about had had reset their data like they knew that it was used over the weekend. So still weird that that maps used 20 gigs of data in you know, a matter of single digit days. But um, but yes, Paul is absolutely correct. Make sure to reset your cellular data. Uh, all right. We got one more one more quick tip, right? Uh, Nick has one here. So um. For those of you that also use a single AirPod Pro at a time, you will probably have noticed that occasionally the option for noise cancellation with one AirPod becomes non-functioning. Even though it is enabled, it gives the error the error wrong. <laughs> okay. um, this appears to happen 100% of the time when your phone powers off, either intentionally, such as an upgrade, or by going through uh tsa checks all right um or unintentionally such as your battery reaching zero percent this could be fixed by doing the following put both airpod pros in your ears toggle noise cancellation on off depending on how it is when you put them in and then toggle noise cancellation on off to revert the change just done this should restore the unique single airpod noise cancellation functionality Sometimes it requires manually enabling the option again, but the last update appears to not be required. All right. Huh. I've I've got something to add to that. Yeah, man. Please. So if you go into your control center on your phone or iPad, I assume, uh, whichever device you're connecting your AirPods to, but if the phone is the most common, go to the control center and put hearing, put the hearing widget in your control center and you open that up, it is uber configurable. You can adjust the volume of your pass-through on the transparency mode. You can really? 
it is yes the 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 second generation airpods pro are super configurable uh, you can and, and i've used them almost as a hearing aid when i yeah i've noticed that when i have one in ear in yeah, you can get it into the noise canceling mode, that sort of thing. But I've also noticed that uh, I like that when I put it on transparency, I, I really want it to be transparent. You want lots of yeah. external. You want the mix yes. to be greater for external right, sound for the external. Yeah. The downside to that is there's no directional capability with the AirPods. <laughs> oh, yeah. You do lose that. Of course. I find I lose the directional capability completely. That's really yeah. interesting. Gosh, this is yet another one of those things, man, where like accessibility provides us with features that, that are, are good. That for are not there or not readily evident. I should say. Um, All right. Hey, look, our sponsor Collide has some big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How? Well, if a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they've fixed the problem. That's simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide.com slash MGG to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. Wouldn't you love to bounce out of bed feeling fantastic even on a Monday morning? I've got a show for you, the 5 a.m. Miracle Podcast, hosted by productivity junkie, trail marathoner, and banana enthusiast, Jeff Sanders. 5 a.m. Miracle is here to help you dominate your day before breakfast, create powerful lifelong habits, and tackle your grandest goals with extraordinary energy. Every Monday morning, Jeff will guide you through a fascinating and helpful personal growth topic, including action steps to give you something practical to achieve in each and every episode. Just like Matt Geekab, right? There's a new episode every Monday morning. Recent topics have included systematizing healthy habits, 10 strategies to identify your calling, and how to leverage fear to your advantage. Go to 5ammiracle.com or subscribe to the 5am Miracle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's five with the number 5ammiracle.com. And our thanks to Jeff for doing this swap with us. All right, uh, let's do some questions. Listener Kurt asked, PDX Kurt in, uh, in our Discord channel says, uh, I'm wondering if anyone has some suggestions uh, for a problem that I'm having with photos. Uh, I have put a lot of work in to connect faces uh, detected with people. And uh, I, when I did this initially back under Mojave, it was possible to go to the people page of photos, click on a person and see photos with that person in it. Now that it's been on Monterey for a while, it sure seems like Photos is always working on scanning to identify people, but it never moves the needle. Every time I go to the people page, it says the same thing. 3,585 photos scanned, 25,000 photos remaining. I quit Photos as the status page suggests so that it will do its thing, but the status message never changes. 
Activity Monitor reports significant CPU activity for Photo Library D and Cloud Photo D. Uh, but uh, he said, I'm not using iCloud Photos, but I am using PhotoStream. Any ideas to reset this process? So, yeah, like if, if resetting the process is likely to be the best answer, uh, it is likely to fix this, right? Unless you've got some damage to your photos, but it is likely to fix this. I don't know if there's other answers to this, but to reset the photos database, go into photos or to the faces database, I should say, go into photos, settings, general, and then uh, click the reset suggested people uh, button. And uh, I had I had no idea that this even existed. Apple has a, uh, a knowledge base article with the details. Um, and then if that doesn't work, there's a solution which is distilled from an article at podfeet.com from Allison Sheridan uh, to open the people album, select all, press delete. This should offer to reset all the names and faces data. It will should not delete the actual photos from your library. I recommend having a backup of your photos library, but, but this, this process is built to do exactly what you want. So you go into the people album, select all press delete in theory that will offer to reset all of your names and faces data. So um, hopefully one of those two solutions actually kicks photos in the butt for you and gets it rolling yet again so that's that's what i got uh, have you guys terrified with that database <laughs> yeah i um i'm trying to think i recently oh i guess when i had for like the the you know weekish when i had that frankenstein monterey install on mm -hmm. here i was like hacking and slashing at cache files and database files trying to make monterey happy with all of the stuff that i had forced it to inherit from you know ventura that it didn't know about, right? Because, you know, Monterey became before Ventura. I'm not here yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not here yet. It's like, I've never seen the future before. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I think I was, I would like some of the photos database. I don't know. The photos databases, maybe not, but I have some recent memory of messing with the photos databases to try and get things moving. Photos, I just told it to rebuild my library from iCloud and that worked brilliantly. Mail was the thing that made me have to nuke and pave this machine. That was, that was really the trick, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that was no bueno. <laughs> mail was never going to be happy. And so I was like, yeah. you know, Hey, speaking of mail, we've had a conversation. I don't have this on the agenda, but we had that conversation about archiving mail. I, I have not yet heard enough definitively from the various mail archiving, the, the, the authors of the mail archiving software packages to find out like how much risk there is at say storing your mail archive in a piece of third-party software. If that software stops getting developed, like I, because I think with each one, it's going to be different. If they're storing it in a standard format, then your risk is much lower, right? Cause you could read it with something else. Uh, however, there was another solution that came to mind that not came to mind that was presented in our discord chat that gave me one of those gasp moments because it seems so brilliant. If you are running a Synology disk station, included with your disk station is the ability to run Synology Mail or Mail Plus server package, which is in and of itself uh, an IMAP mail server. I actually run one here. I know I vowed never to run another mail server. 
And part of that is why I set up this Synology one, because I wanted to see how terrible it was. I do have it tied to a domain. It is a live mail server in the world. No one knows what the domain is. I don't use it for anything other than, get this, a couple of mailing lists just to make sure it actually works. And I do. I get mail to it every day. It's like it's it, it, it's been running for over a year. It's brilliant. However, what someone pointed out is, well, hey, if your issue is you don't have enough storage space on, say, Gmail or Fastmail or iCloud Mail to archive all of your email uh, and so now you're talking about where can I put it? And when we talk about, you know, do you archive it on my Mac and then it's only on one of your Macs or do you put it in the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, Eagle filer or mail steward or whatever. Somebody said, well, why not just archive it on your own IMAP server on your Synology disk station? <sighs> and I started doing this and it's like, obviously what are your room there. It just works. Like, of course it works. Why wouldn't it work? Like I archived one year's worth of mail over there just to, you know, just to see. And it was like, uh-huh. Like there's nothing to see unless except your mail. It's right, right where you put it. Like there's no, there was the aha moment was when the idea was presented. The implementation of it was so ridiculously simple and had been staring me in the face and it never dawned on me. So, so, what are the downsides to doing this? That's you know, you vowed you'd never do it. You're doing it. Running a mail server. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You never do it. Now, you, now you're doing it. Is, Correct. Is it that bad? Is it getting hammered? Like, yeah, one it, would expect port 25 to be. Uh, it's not so much. Well, yeah, but but like, yes, it does. It does get hammered. The firewall is constantly, you know, telling people stop. You know, leave it alone. Yes, and it is. You're right. Port 25 is is certainly one of those because it has to be if it's going to be a publicly accessible mail server. But it doesn't have to be like it doesn't you don't have to set up your mail server on your Synology to actually be a real working, publicly accessible, able to receive mail server. You could set it up effectively in what I'll call dummy mode, right, where you tell it these things, but you're never using it to send or receive mail. You're just using it to log into your IMAP account on that server to store your messages and and with the right port forwarding on your router, you can log into that IMAP account from anywhere. So you don't need to go as far as I did in terms of actually setting up a, a you know, real live mail server, but I kind of want to, but just because <laughs> I know you do. I, yeah. and I really the day that if I ever move and I, I, I probably will retire in the next four or five years and move sure. and that'll be a major backside pain. So, well, it depends on where you move to. Right. Yeah. Yes. But but you're yeah. right. Now you're now it's yours. But if you just set it up for personal access, like that much less risk. Although I guess the the same concern needs to be investigated. Whereas with say, you know, Mail Steward or Eagle Filer, uh we, we want to find out what format does it store this data in and can I get at it? even if the vendor goes out of business, right? right? Like, so if some, for some reason I can't run the Synology mail plus server, can I go dig in? Is it just storing it in inbox files? Like is the data there in a way that I could slurp it out and import it into mail or, or Thunderbird or, you know, some mail client and, and have it again. Right. So I don't know. It's, um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. So I, that's the part I need to look at is, 
is the same question. Like what happens to this data? Is it as ubiquitous as CSV? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah I think PDF it, is probably around forever now, even though that was Adobe's original. Yes. Yeah. But, but like for mail, you want either the inbox oh, right. format or EMLX it would be the standards. Um, and they're both, they're kind of the same thing, I believe, but, but that, you know, one right. of those two would be fine. Yeah. No, I was just ruminating on other, other protocols yes. that have, you know, some have disappeared. I wrote a bunch of stuff back in the nineties that is the, no longer accessible. Right, 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 right. Whereas what? Markdown or text would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Markdown didn't exist then. So. Markdown didn't. I was <laughs> going to say, yeah, Gruber hadn't invented that yet. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, you want to take us to the next question, John? Sure. Um, see if I can condense this a bit. So, um, Scott's question is DAS or NAS for Apple Music Storage. DAS, of course, being a direct attached storage and NAS being network attached storage. Uh, so he says right now he has an OWC Mercury Elite Pro Quad as a DAS drive connected to a 2015 iMac to storage my large uh, music library or iTunes library if you're old school. Um, uh, the particular enclosure has RAID, hardware RAID and is loaded with four, ter four three-terabyte Western digital hard drives. Uh, it's about 10 years old. Wow, that's impressive. Hmm. Um, that's scary. <laughs> and I've only lost one hard drive, which oh. is even scarier. Um, but I'm getting worried about how much longer it will last. Okay, good concern for a 10-year-old piece of hard drive hardware i want to upgrade as soon as possible and narrow it down to two possibilities uh the first would be an owc thunder bay 8 uh my concern is this unit does not have hardware raid and it uses um soft raid okay no um, no concern by the way yeah i, I uh, I mean, the enclosure should be, or the computer should be able to run that without breaking a sweat. So, SoftRaid, enough of SoftRaid is built into Mac OS that you don't mm. need to install the drivers to read from the drive. As far as I understand it, I don't run any SoftRaid things, but that's the story everybody at Apple and OWC tells yep. me. So, yeah. And then he says, my second concern is that this unit has a Thunderbolt 3 port and my iMac has a Thunderbolt 2 port. So I would have to use an adapter. Yeah. All right. Still going to be plenty fast, I think, yeah. especially for music. Uh, the second option would be to use a Synology disk station. Uh, my main concern is putting the iTunes library folder on the NAS and having a seamless experience while using an Apple TV or an iDevice. I've written many articles stating iTunes gets flaky when the library is stored on a network drive. And yes, I have found that yep. as well. So I would not recommend using a Synology to store your uh, Apple Music. And any network drive, you, you want to store it locally, either either internal or external, but but local, not network. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, I found the same reports saying don't use a network drive for a for, uh, music library. Um, however, uh, so the Thunder Bay is a solid choice. So if you're comfortable with that, go with that. The thing is, this is the Synology is just so much fun, <laughs> and then it has all the packages. It's well, not like you can do that now. The thing, uh, uh, so here's the thing: if you want to store your music on your Synology, they have a thing called Audio Station. 
And I'm using that personally myself. So I, I've copied my iTunes library from my computer to the Synology using Audio Station, and then I can stream my music to my various devices, uh, probably using a third-party client. Um, but that works for me, so I'm, I'm wondering about your thoughts, guys. Yeah, I... I um. I, well, I mean, I, I shared some of them as, as you know, as we were kind of going through it there, definitely direct attached. Um, the Synology is fun, but you do not want to have your Mac connected to its music library on a folder there. Like you, 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 right. Right. Like for sure. Um, because it, it will get flaky. It, it's just how things are. So yeah, I, like direct attached for the music library, but your point about the Synology being great for being able to serve that library in a variety of ways. I have mine ingested into Plex so that, you know, not only can I see it, but people that I share my library with can see it. And, uh, and audio stations, I, I used to use audio station for playing it. Now I just use um, Plex amp because it, it does uh, a better job on like CarPlay and all that stuff. But uh, what I do is I have my music, Apple music app, saves the music data to an external drive. It, and it's, this is just a single drive SSD. It's not like it's not a raid or, or anything like that because partially because it's not fault tolerant. I then once a day have carbon copy cloner sync the contents of that music library folder to my Synology so that Plex and audio station and all the other things can see what is effectively my updated data. I mean, it's not instantly up to date. I, I suppose I could use something like Chronosync or, you know, whatever to sync it in real time, but it's not important to me. It's, you know, once a day is more than enough. And uh, carbon copy cloner does a fine job of that. And so I have a backup of my music library, a copy of my music library, which also serves as a backup on my Synology. But, but the live one is just connected direct attached. Yeah. The nice part about iCloud music library is you only need to do that on one of your computers, right? You can, you, if you're, if you're using iCloud music library, you can sync it everywhere, but, um, and only download, you can do the whole optimized storage thing where you're not downloading everything on the Mac where you have the direct attached library, though, you don't want to optimize storage. You want it to pull everything down. So, and even then, um, some stuff doesn't come down automatically. I built a couple of playlists, like smart playlists in Apple Music, and and one of them is named iCloud Music that's not yet downloaded. And I forget to do this. And in fact, I haven't thought about this for a while. So like I definitely need to do this again. I probably need to put it on my calendar or somewhere. But uh I go into that folder and anything that's in there, I highlight and I right click and I say download. And then it disappears from that folder because it's no longer meeting the smart criteria of it's in my iCloud music library, but not yet downloaded. And so effectively emptying that folder by downloading things to my Mac ensures that I don't wind up with this weird scenario where I think I have everything on my Mac and I don't. So I share that. That's a little tip. That's a bonus tip. Something like that. I don't know. What do we got? Um, I'm trying to think what, what else do we have here? We've got some good, cool stuff found. So 
should we jump to that? Are there any, is there one yeah. last? Yeah. All right. We'll do it. Um, I, I didn't, didn't realize I was doing this, but uh, I have a second tip from the aforementioned Ricky Mandelo and a link to the Twitter chain in which uh, that happened. Uh, if you want an Apple, if you use the Apple password manager, there is no like icon for it on your in your dock or on your you know phone's like home screen or anything. You have to like dig into settings and like go there and that's kind of a pain in the neck. And uh, but if you use a third party password manager like one password or or some others that aren't LastPass cuz we really can't recommend that you use LastPass these days. Uh you get to launch it like an app. Well, there's a shortcut and an icon that you can put together and make yourself a little click tap on your home screen, tap on your dock and launch the Apple um, password manager. So we have a link to that in the show notes so that you can go and learn how to do that too. Um, and it was posted from uh, by Ricky. So yeah, good stuff. Kind of sort of from Apple, but let's, let's be frank. Not really. So, uh, what else do we got here? Oh Yeah. Listener Martin uh, shares, we've been talking about unlocking our Macs with our Apple Watches and some Macs, like John, you were saying last week that yours doesn't always work. Some people have Macs where that's just not possible. Well, Martin says, uh, I have been using a tool that lives in the menu bar called Blue Unlock, B-L-E-U-N-L-O-C-K. That allows various Bluetooth devices to do what the Apple Watch does. And it's available on GitHub and it will allow you to unlock your Mac with all kinds of things, including your iPhone. So I actually might, I, I might, I, I think I used this years ago or something like it. And then I got an Apple Watch and it was like, but fine. But nowadays that I'm wearing my Apple Watch less and less frequently. I might want this on the Mac in the office because I always have my phone with me. Huh. Oh, got, yeah. yeah, right? Like, and it's it's right there. Blue Unlock, let's I, see. I turned mine on last week and I found that I, I'm finally, after about a week, I'm finally not reaching for my fingertip ID button oh. to, you know, unlock my Mac. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it jogs my fingers. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, my yeah. watch is doing it for me. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It is handy. That is one of the things that makes me realize, uh, like, that I miss wearing my Apple watch on the days I'm not wearing it. I do wear it some days, but you know, not every day. So yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Thanks for that, Martin. I got to say the one annoyance with Apple watch unlocking is so when I'm done with the podcast, I'll put my machine to sleep (laughs) very often. It'll wake up my machine before I'm out of range. Oh, (laughs) so you, you like intentional, you don't just let it sleep on a timer schedule on like a, a an idle timer, you, you choose whatever. I could do that, option. but I prefer, you know, yeah. if I can manually do it, but yeah, it's like, Oh, there's the watch. Let me unlock. Huh. So I actually have to put the watch in another room and then oh, put the machine to sleep. So that happened to me last night when I was finished with everything I was doing, I, I put the, the Mac to sleep and within a couple seconds, it, it woke back up. Now <laughs> I, I can only think that I grazed the the trackpad or one of the keys on the keyboard or something like that to make it happen because I I then put it to sleep again and it stayed. Yeah. 
you're not close to lit. Yeah. But, but yeah, I was like, wait a minute. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. But it tapped me on the wrist and, uh, yeah. I, I think yeah, it, it did anyway. You. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no, uh, but you know, that whole false, you know, phone vibration in the pocket <sighs> is a real thing. The false yeah. tap on the wrist. It is. It yeah. is. Your fingers That's will remember hard. Pete. John, yeah. you got a, uh, a cool stuff found for us this week, my friend. Yeah, I was poking around, uh, you know, so this uh, chat GPT stuff, um, you know, a lot of chatter has been, how do I know that my student or my employee or whatever used chat GTP to, to write their stuff and are taking credit for it? There's a thing called zero GTP at zero GTP dot com. Slow down. What does it- it's, it's zero GPT. Ah, sorry. The T, the T comes last. P goes in the middle. Oh, I That's said all. GTP. Sorry. You did. Right. GPT. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, basically, you paste in some text and it says, okay, here's a chance that it's written by a human. Here's a chance that it's written by an AI. Here's a chance that it's a mix. So, I, I guess if you want to keep an eye on your underlings, this may be fun to play with. I don't know how accurate it is. I haven't really used it that much. Like, yeah, there's a whole conversation to be had about how the education system needs to adapt to using this. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, I, I praise my employees every time they come to me with something that they're like, oh yeah, I, I use chat GPT to like create this, you know, the core of this and then edit it from there. It's like, great. You saved us a bunch of time, (laughs) like super efficient. You're more productive. Way more productive. Are more productive. Yeah. So I like. I, I can see why some perhaps misguided uh, teachers might want a tool like this in the short term, right? Like un- until mm-hmm. they figure out how to adapt their, their classroom and their learning environment to embrace the fact that chat GPT exists as opposed to like, you know, uh, because it's not the tool that's going to give you answers. It's the tool that's going to like do the grunt work for you. It's a fantastic assistant, mm-hmm. right? But um in the workplace, I can't even imagine why I'd care. Maybe I'm the wrong guy to ask. I, it yeah, just, I, don't I, think, mean, I don't think you would in the workplace. I can see it in the academic environment where you want people to at least understand how to communicate sentence structure, object, yeah. verb, subject. Yeah. Y- yes. Uh, subject, verb, object. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> not speaking Russian here. <laughs> um, not, not speaking like Yoda. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. The object right. First. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Did you have you tried it? Did you, did you feed it like things no. that you wrote versus things that ChatGPT wrote? No. Oh, well, why I'm not, good. man? Like, I, I want to know how. It, yeah, I want to working on it. I, I'm going to feed it uh, the most recent. Uh, I'm going to go to MacGeekUp.com because I'm I've been using ChatGPT every week. I feed it just the agenda of the show, like the, the chapters of the show really is, is what I feed it. And uh, I have it write a blog post for me. And the reason that I do that is because I know that for search engine optimization, the having a, like a, a, a well fleshed out blog post is a really good thing. But I also know that I need to get the show published. And if I wait, if I, if I, you know, I beware the onces, like once I have this blog post written, I'll publish the show. The show would never get published. Like it would be inconsistent at best because I know how I am. But when I can have chat GPT, write it for me. And then I take it and tweak it because sometimes it doesn't know if I have like in the, in the show notes, if I, if it says like Donna, 
uh, you know, uh, tells us about or Donna Dash. Uh, what was the first tip that we talked about? Donna Dash Apple Maps yeah. favorites. Right. It might interpret that as Donna asked about how to use Apple Maps favorites. And we all know that, no, Donna shared a tip about. So I will make those edits, but it's way more efficient for me to edit. And so uh, I would I would, you know, I so I I, I use chat GPT to create the bones of that and uh, and then and then create the thing. Yeah. So I took the paragraph, the four paragraphs, five paragraphs mm. that I put in that, you know, for last week's show. And I um, it, they are it was written by chat GPT. I made edits similar to the one that I just told you. But by and large, I would say 98% of the text here is written by ChatGPT. And Zero GPT says, your text is human written. There is 0% AI GPT in this. Yep. Oh, well, so much for that. Wah, wah. Wait, wait, wait. I do have the sad trombone <laughs> sound effects somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know. There it is. Yep. No bueno. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe I should try it with like the raw text from chat GPT, but it like it zero should GPT. If you had another guess, <laughs> if you had another guess, that's right. Zero G. That's right. This needs to be transformative as well. Like, ah, if you yeah. might have been wrong about this, what would your answer be? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, language is just going to be one of those things that it's not going to be able to detect. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and is it because I, mean, I edited I it? Like, you yeah. know, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because there are people who are very good writers who would then, it'll say, hey, no, the chat GPT wrote this. I, I, how do you spell chat GPT? I don't know what that is. Right. I wrote this. Yeah. It says my, my text from the week before is also human written, 0% AI GPT. So yeah. Yeah. In, incorrect. <laughs> Try again. All right. Uh, Pete, you got a cool stuff found for us before we, um, uh, before I, we I do, I do. Here? In fact, uh, let me, uh, let me share my screen there. So I, uh, was paying money for my ring doorbells in, in three different locations, my mother-in-law's place and all that to store video. And the interesting thing was this most recent winter storm here where we were way below zero for a long time got me uh, my it basically killed my battery on my ring doorbell here at the house and so i went out and got the eufy doorbell and chime uh in this case it was at best buy it was on sale so i saved i think 30 35 dollars i think i paid 40 149 or okay. 145 one of those two anyway the long and short of it is uh here are a couple things super easy to mount two screws it offers a angle plate because in my case, I needed to angle the doorbell away from it. Couldn't just be mounted flush. Otherwise, it would be looking at the opposite beam of my garage door. So I angled it out a few degrees so it would look at my driveway and the walk up. So when you're saying you angled it, just so people understand, you're not ang you're not talking about up or down. You're talking about left or right. Left or right. Correct. Yeah, correct. Okay, um, got it. Just want to make sure. There'd probably be a way to angle it up or down. I don't know what that is, but sure. there is a 15 degree yeah. angle mount in there to allow you to point it a little bit away yep. in one direction. And you just have to flip it over if you want to go left. I had to do right. that because the yeah. field of vision when it was mounted straight was not appropriate for my location. Yep. But yeah, they have the 15 degree angle mount and, and that really helped. Yeah. So it's aiming down at the street rather than the road. Because the problem was, if it was aimed at the road, 
it will go off like every five seconds. And right. And that's that. another cool thing about this one is you can set the uh, motion detection zone from about three and a half to four feet up so that Rover and Spot and Rex don't set it off every time they wander around in your yard. So it only detects humans walking up. That being said, a clever burglar can crawl underneath your detection zone. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right, right. But, you know, you can set it so animals won't set it off. Yeah. Here's the best part, in my humble opinion, about this thing is the there's a storage card, uh, SD card, mini SD card in your Chime that stores the video. So you aren't having to pay them to continually store events, motion detection events, ring doorbell events. Uh, no, that's proper. Doorbell being <laughs> rung events. <laughs> in it's stored automatically locally on your chime device and you can configure the chime device to make different sounds for you and using the app. And I, I just found it a great replacement for the ring because uh, you can hardwire it in if you need to. I don't happen to have pre-wiring out there on the garage, so it's always been battery, but after two short years, my battery got utterly destroyed by some sub zero days here in new England that, you know, it was down near zero and then it got the battery percentage was down near zero and then it got super cold while I was on a trip and it ruined the battery. So huh. now not to say that this won't face that same problem, but I was looking for something to replace it where I didn't have to continue to pay ring. I forget what the amount is. Yeah. 60 bucks a year or something per camera yeah, to yeah. store the events. Yeah. No, thanks. I'm I'm done with that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. The, the, um, the identification matrix or whatever, but the matrix to define what's important for motion detection is much better. Last I used it than the ring algorithm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a Eufy doorbell for a while. I, I had a ring doorbell and then we changed our front door and the, um, the, the 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 spot in the like the molding the frame of the door w- mm-hmm. got narrower on the new door and the ring doorbell wouldn't fit but the Eufy doorbell would <laughs> so oh, nice. I moved to this basic I, I'm pretty sure I have the same one that that you're talking about here and yeah it, it's it's been great I it's interesting I didn't experience issues when we had like super cold weather um, so either my my well, door, if your battery wasn't that low when that happened, then perhaps, right. you know, I think mine was just too low. And, and that's the, the problem with lithium batteries, right? If they're yes. near zero, if you let them get to zero, yeah, they yeah, will yeah, frequently yeah. be done. Okay, I quit. Yeah, I'm all set. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. for, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and one last thing about it. I think it's a 2K camera in there. So plenty of resolution yep. to uh, to see who, what, where, and why. And, and it, a good uh, it works with HomeKit, right? Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, I know mine works with HomeKit and I'm pretty sure it's native, but because I run HomeBridge, I always have to stop and think. Right. Like, I, I happen to use the app separately and all, but yeah. uh, boy, what a, uh, I, I just love it. Yes. So. Yeah. No, it, I, I agree. That's, that's been my favorite doorbell. It sounds like you too, John, that, you know, we kind of all used different it's ones. It's always fun to get a notification and it's the mail person. Oh Yeah. Yeah, we get maybe Usually, or the package person. That's maybe. sexist. There he was going to say that's sexist, John. Could have been a female person. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Pete. Oh, M-A-I-L. male, M A I L, Pete. <laughs>
But it, it could have been a FedEx person. Uh, we don't discriminate at our house. There you, go. you know, right. we let the mail and the UPS and the FedEx all show up. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> FedEx and UPS are my dog's favorite flavors. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have a big box from the FedEx first time in 18 years. We're doing the pre-show and a FedEx, uh, a delivery person opens the door to my studio, which is upstairs. Like you have to come into the garage, go all the way to the back, come up the stairs, opens the door. And I see the door open. I'm like, what the heck's going on? And I see his head sort of poke in. He's like, I have something for you, but you need to sign. I heard your voice through the floor. I just figured I'd come up. I'm like, yeah, man, like, like works out. Like we're just in pre-show. It's all good. And now you've got some cool stuff found for next week. I do. I have some uh, stuff from the, uh, from the company whose name is a palindrome, I believe. Oh, yes, it is. Right. And also it works the same, not just if you flip it from left to right, but upside down. Oh yeah. Okay. If the capital if they're of all the letters are capitals, it's five letters. Uh, the first one, I'll give you the first three. You can figure out the rest. S O N. So yeah, there you go. Wow. Yep. Yep. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. It's not secret. These these are released products. It's the new Sonos uh, era line of of things. So yeah, I'm excited to finally be able to talk, check them out. I need you to talk to them. What's the name? Not the move. The other one. The, the smaller. Oh, the little Rome. Rome. Yeah. yeah, you know the only reason I haven't bought it, it doesn't have a microphone in it because I like to be able to have a telephone conversation with dispatch, where my first officer can listen in. So I'm not on a secret page with weather and fuel and that sort of thing. Pete, it it I mean I haven't used it for phone calls, uh, but I think I could if I had it on Bluetooth. Um, oh, interesting. I was told I, it did not have a microphone. Oh, in I use it with, use it we bring it out to the hot tub with us. We, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Sonos Rome is what we're talking about. The, no, oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the little one. It's like a pill yep. size speaker. It yeah. looks like a, a Toblerone, but yep. you know, yep. A little large, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Larger than a Toblerone, but, but you know, that yeah. it's that, it, you know, that sort of shape triangular, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we bring it to the hot tub with us every night when we go in the hot tub because it's you know i I forget what the official word is but i call it waterproof if it falls in the tub it's not going to be ruined if it's raining like it was yesterday it doesn't matter all good and uh and we use it with the a lady because i have the a lady paired with it and we use it with um the sonos voice where you say hey s but it's the other last it's the palindromic s and so it definitely has a microphone in it. There's no question about it. Um, well, I knew that, but, but I would sure love it if you'd try and give me a call on it and see if it'll work well, as a speakerphone. Well, that's because... the thing is when it's at my house, it's in Wi-Fi mode. Yeah. I don't shift it to Bluetooth unless I travel with it. Mm-hmm. So I would need to leave I'd go my... buy one today if I knew it would, if right. I could use it as a speaker. The next time I leave my house, uh, I'll bring it with and convert it to Bluetooth mode because I... I, I I, I, maybe yeah, I can I convert it to Bluetooth with with Wi-Fi around, but I think it keeps shifting back. I don't know. I, I'll I'll yeah. I'll test it for you, Pete. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Oh yeah. And we will have more Sonos stuff to talk about uh, in the next week or two. So, Very soon. Yeah. Yeah. I I call mine. It's mine happens to be white in color, and so I call mine White Rome because it's like the White Room, like like the Cream song. I don't know why. This gives me this never-ending pleasure. Every time I see it, I think I'm so clever. 
as I'm saying it out loud, I've just ruined it for myself because it's really not that clever. But yeah, I still like well, it. I'm still going to like it. My basement is called Mini Me. So. <laughs> ah, I like it. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Thanks for sending in all your questions and such to where? Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Did he say feedback at MacGeekGab.com? No, John. He said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I'm certain ah. of it. Any one of those three will get email to us. I guarantee it. Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Check out our other podcast. There's links in the show notes to uh, Pilot Pete. So there I was, my business brain and my gig gab. Thanks for hanging out. Check out our merch page at macgeekup.com slash merch. We're going to be adding even more stuff there soon. Check out our sponsors at macgeekup.com slash sponsors. Of course, the ones we mentioned in the episode ZocDoc.com slash MGG Notion.com slash MacGeekGab That one's a little different Collide.com slash MGG John Do you have Do you have any Like anything to say Like maybe I'm just gonna read What's on Pete's shirt Okay And what Pete's shirt Says is Don't get caught. Made on a Mac. I gotta find the guy who made that made on a Mac thing someday. Been there for a long time. <laughs>